Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Riverfront. This is episode number 449 of the World's Most Dangerous Podcast, where we discuss the Cincinnati Reds and occasionally Lance Nix. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With me this week is a longtime friend of the pod, Reds uh, television statistician, author of the two greatest Reds books of all time. Not even close. Wire to Wire Reds and uh, 100 Things Reds fans should know and do before they die. It's my friend, uh, Joel Luckup. How are you today, Joel? Uh, I'm doing well, but I'm going to have to disagree with you because pretty much everything written by uh, Greg Rhodes and John Rarty tops anything you or I have ever done. So It's true. It's 100% <laughs> true. Um, but otherwise, I'm doing, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on today. How about this? Of all the books written by anyone that's on the show right now, you have the two best. How about that? Two of the three best. Let's do it that <laughs> okay. way. Okay. All right. There we go. Uh, now, happy to have Joel back on the show. Joel, uh, do you know how many times you, you know, you've been on in a while? We're going to talk about that. But do you yeah. know how many times you've been on the show in the uh, 449 episodes? I'm pretty sure this is the first time I've been on post-pandemic. So, you know, maybe we were doing some social distancing things or something that didn't even realize it. <laughs> Despite the fact that, uh, you know, what have we met like twice in real life ever? Right. Um, uh, I'm going to say, I don't know, six. 18. 18. 18 times you've been on the show. Uh, but the last time, well, first of all, the first time that you were on the show, I don't did we t- Did we talk about the first time you were on the show? I don't remember. We no. talked about this. Can you guess, can you guess a date for the first time you were on the, on the well, show? When did the, when did the podcast start? Uh, it sort of started in 2007 of all things, okay. but it was kind of stop and go for a long so, time. But we knew each other at that point. So, um, cause if it was 2005, like I didn't really know you yet. So I wouldn't have said it was then. Um, right. I'm going to guess, are we counting like when we did those round tables back when we were all just strictly bloggers? Is yeah. That, yeah. It, I think so. It, I, is that, um, I think that's included within there, but that wasn't your first episode. Wasn't one of those though. Oh, I'm going to say probably about 2008. June 10 of 2010. Wow. 2010. I was almost not even a blogger anymore at that point. Right. That my, yeah. You, my last few months of being a blogger. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the legendary uh, from Red Reporter. We talk about Red Reporter often on here. Uh, Joel was uh, uh, the legendary Reds blogger. I, I bet I was I on to talk about Wired Wire. Yes, yep. that was it. That's what we were talking about the uh, the Wired Wire book. Because you the couldn't last... get John. Because you couldn't get John Arardi to come on. So you <laughs> he, had to have... he ghosted me. He won't. He won't return my calls. Uh, um, the last time you were here was uh, February the twelfth of two thousand seventeen. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Five years ago, we were talking about the breaking news of the week. Brandon Phillips had been traded. Who's he? Exactly. So <laughs> why have you been avoiding me all these years? I, I, you know what? As I recall, this might be the first time in about three years that you've asked me to be on. So um, <laughs> it has been a true. while. It has yeah. been. A, I mean, we had a stretch. As I recall, I had a stretch there where I was on several weeks in a row. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. We were doing it uh, sort of regular there for a while. And I don't know what happened. Yeah, it's my fault. It's it's well. The problem is, is for me, it's really hard during the season because Mm -hmm. I work a lot of nights, um, and so you know it has to be an off season thing. That's part of it. And frankly, the off seasons haven't been very exciting for the last couple years. Really, not that this this off season is going to be exciting either. But anyway. Ah, yes, we have a question that we're going to answer later about this off season. But anyway. yeah, with the season in it, I thought, you know what? It just occurred to me one night I'm sitting here, I'm thinking, why haven't I asked Joel recently? Because um, as as most of you know, Joel is an incredible human being. He's my favorite person on earth. And I don't understand why I haven't asked him to be on here. And this is part of me trying to convince you to come back. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I, I'm guessing your wife and your kids can't hear you right now. <laughs> they cannot. They cannot, no. And I noticed your um, brother's not on right now either, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He He... He said, oh, thank goodness. I'm not coming on that show. Yeah. No, that's not true. He wanted to be here, but he's uh, he's otherwise occupied. Um, so anyway, we're, we're here to talk about the uh, the Cincinnati Reds a little bit, if we could. Uh, before I go any further, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, smash that subscribe button, hit the like button, whatever. You know, you want to hear me talking to you every week. So and wherever you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you find your podcast, subscribe. We're there. Um, Joe, have you watched uh, much of the playoffs? 
I have. I've been watching them quite a bit, actually. Um, uh, the, I, I find the new format interesting. I'm not sure if I like it yet. Uh, I do like the extra the extra postseason games. Um, I'll say this much. Uh, so I watch it a lot with my son, who is 16. And he and I were having a conversation the other day. And, and he was just like, man, I wish the Reds were there. And I said, I know what you mean. He's like, and he's like, I don't care wherever I live the next time they make it, I'm buying tickets. And I, and so I told him about 2013, how I had tickets for he and I, um, he, he has, well, so in 2012, he was what, six and uh, probably could have gone to the games, but, um, and I had tickets, but I, I ended up not taking him, um, but 2013, I was going to take them, even if I had to pull them out of school and um, uh, they never made it home. Uh, so I remember, uh, uh, but, but that was, you know, it was interesting to me, you know, um, you know, where he is at in life and how he was like, you know, I'm going to do whatever it takes to go to a playoff game the next time they're here. And I, man, I hope it's before he goes to college. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. Uh, I hope it's while I'm still walking the earth. I have a similar thing with my son. Yeah. Um, 2012, he was um, eight years old. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, we went to game four of the, the giant series that year, but I had tickets to the world series, you know, yeah. I, <laughs> um, I, I still have the actual paper tickets, the yeah. same world series on them. And that, and we were going to do that. And so we've had that conversation over the years as well. And it comes back to this thing I always talk about, which is kind of the lost generation of Reds fans the fact that there are still Reds fans of this generation, it's my fault that my son is, you right. know, because why would you pick this team right. otherwise? But uh, I just, I hope there's something sooner rather than later for these guys because and, it's fun. Yeah. Well, and what's funny is my son was a Tigers fan for a few years, uh, mainly because of Miguel Cabrera, but also he was born in Michigan and um, for some reason has an attachment there, even though we only, we moved like six weeks after he was born. So he doesn't even know what Michigan's like, but um, so he was a Tigers fan for a while. And then um, one day just decided he was back to being like, he wanted to be a Reds fan. I think that was like, uh, that was probably 18 or 19, you know, where he was like fully invested in the Reds and, you know, what a lousy time to jump onto the <laughs> ship. The worst. Um, I mean, when we were growing up, you know, the Reds were basically relevant for, you know, um, right. there was a few bad years, but they were pretty much relevant. Well, I mean, time. you had that, you had that whole stretch in the eighties when they finished second place for five straight yeah. years um, or four straight years. And then, uh, uh, and then 90, obviously. And then even in the nineties, they were, they were up and down. And honestly, they, I, I'd be okay if they were like that again. Like, I mean, I, you know, I'm not just talking about just 1990. Like I, I, I think people get hung up on playoff success and the, the longest, you know, it's been so long since they've won a playoff series and whatever. And yes, I, I want them to do that. I want them to win a world series. Cause I want to know what that feels like as an adult now. Um, but last year compared to this year, I'll take last year a million times, even, even though they didn't go to the playoffs. And even though the end of the year, you, you knew they probably weren't going to get much better. Um, I'll take last year was a million times more fun than this year. This year was probably, uh, probably the worst season for me in terms of entertainment. Um, since I started doing the job that I have, uh, which was 2011. And so there were some, there were some bad years in there. Um, but you know, you always had Joey, uh, a couple good, a couple years in there. You had some good, really good pitchers to, to latch on to, um, you know, even, even, uh, you know, Brandon Phillips was in there a couple times, you know, Jay Bruce, there were, there were still some people this year. There was just so much, um, like, a, I don't know. There, so I, you know, part of my shtick is trying to find interesting things, facts about the team. There just weren't a lot of interesting facts about the team, especially once Joey got hurt. Even though Joey didn't have a, a very good year, and he'll he'll admit to that. Um, 
you know, he, he had historical stuff, you know, his career that you could always look back on and stuff like that. Once he was gone and Tyler Stevenson was gone, I mean, there just wasn't offensively, especially there just wasn't a lot of interest there. Other than Kyle Farmer, obviously. Well, I mean, and I actually, I was thinking Kyle Farmer, but the thing is, and this is no knock on Kyle Farmer, but when Kyle Farmer is your best hitter, you've got issues, you know, Kyle Farmer, if Kyle Farmer is your fifth or sixth best hitter, you're a good team. But when he's your best hitter, not a good team and then and then seeing castillo and seeing mally leave um i really liked watching the rookies pitch but there's only so much you can you can squeeze out of that because they're rookies you know um and so you know i'm looking forward to seeing them develop next year i'm looking forward to seeing more guys come up um but this year was tough yeah, yeah, no doubt. And, and to kind of go back to what you were saying last year, what we had uh, sort of, you know, during the eight, the mid to late 80s and then most of the 90s, really, is at least at least they were relevant often. Mm-hmm. You know, last year, yes, they only only won 83 games, you know, but they were playing meaningful baseball in, right. into September. Right. I'll take that. I want I right. want the playoffs. I want the World Series. I want all those things. But man, I, I think we underestimate just how much fun it is to have a team that's just relevant, just right. you know, kind of in the mix. I mean, so some of this is because of my job, but I've grown to really appreciate 162, um, and 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 the the ins and outs and the day to day and the fun that you can have on a daily basis. Um, you, I, you had you had tweeted. Uh, at one point towards the end of the year, that was the most fun game since the field of dreams game. And I thought, well, that might be true. And then I, and I just to prod you, I had said no since Spencer steers game. But the thing is, is like, that was, there was a month between those games, you know, and, and, and it was true though. There just wasn't a lot of entertainment in between there. Um, And I don't, you know, the last month of the season wasn't very good last year. Um, but everything up till that point was, a, they were a really fun team to watch. Yeah. Um, and I'll take that. I'll t- like, if you could, you know, I, I keep thinking, and I hate this because I feel like some of the things that Cleveland's front office has done is, is the antithesis of what you want from as a fan. But I think about, you know, their run over the last, you know, two decades of their, you know, they've had a couple bad years in there. They've had some bad years and they've had some really good years. And obviously they went to a world series. I would take that in a heartbeat. Oh, easy. I I would take a team that is competitive on the regular, you know, and that, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that they go to the playoffs every year. Although I, you know, I'd love to see our team go to the playoffs every year. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean um, that you don't have a terrible year here or there. Uh, it just means that having hope um, for the next season. And, and it, it, for all, for all of Jim Bowden's faults, most of the time when he was general manager, he, you almost always had a little bit of hope for the next season. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, it's absolutely right. That's the, that's the part that really bothers me the most about all this is that uh, for, for the majority of the last decade here, we really, there's, there's very little reason for hope. Um, so uh, again, uh, we're, we're kind of uh, wishing and hoping, and I don't know that I see anything getting uh, much better in the, very near future, but we'll get into that a little bit. But okay. I'm like you. I just want a team that uh, that I don't need the playoffs. I would love the playoffs every year. I'm just like you, but, you know, just be relevant because right. it's so much more fun. Last year's team, the way I described them a, a couple of times, uh, more than once, I guess, in print, was that uh, it, they were a pretty good team. Not a great team, a pretty good team, but a bunch of guys that were easy to root for and, right. you know, a likable team. Man, and right. man, give me that. That last year's team was one of my favorite teams of the last 20 years, just because right. they were fun to root for. And there's something to that. This is for me, it's, it, you know, it's, you have to be there watching it as a, as a job, but you're also a fan. And so um, there's some real value in just a team that's interesting. Right. Absolutely. Um, and, and 
I'm looking forward. Like I said, I'm looking forward to the young guys coming up. Uh, I know you kind of like the prod at the whole idea of a hull. I appreciate, like, I do not, I do not like that we got to that the Reds got to that point of having feeling like they had to trade these guys. Well, we can debate whether or not they had to, but feeling like they had to trade those guys. They, at least on paper, did way better Mm -hmm. this time than they did in 2015. Absolutely true. And I don't want to go through this every five years. I don't want to go through this ever again if we can avoid it. Um, But I appreciate that this time it feels like at least people outside of the organization are optimistic, which is different than it was in 2015, which was a lot of the organization trying to convince everybody that they did well, but not, not a lot of people outside of the organization said, Oh yeah, they did really well, which you, you know, so, right. No, it's, it's true. And, and, and I've, I've sort of tried to make that distinction, which is that yes, without question, I think uh, Nick crawl and, and then the, the hall that I've mocked a little bit, cause I, right. because, because I fundamentally disagree with the idea that they had to do this, that they right. try to convince us that they had to do this and we're not going to get into that. Uh, but, uh, but if, if they did had to have to do it or just the fact that they decided to do it, at least they did it well, right. uh, no question about it. And it gives us as fans, reason for hope now i've also cautioned though against having uh i keep using the term blind faith because why you would trust this current leadership to do anything i hope they do i hope they have turned the corner and they're going to execute this uh whatever plan they've got i don't trust them to do it but but i will agree that there is real reason to hope because uh you know they they did execute this first part of the quote unquote plan and so and we're here talking about them every week, so I need that hope. I need that hope to right. uh, to, to draw my interest every week because I'm doing this, and and uh, and listeners as well. Right. Oh, I got a feeling that we're not going to get to many of the things we had intended to talk <laughs> about this week because uh, we've kind of already got off the rails a little bit, Joel. I know. Um, <laughs> I, I want to briefly mention the uh, probably a non-troversy, but the Jesse Winker controversy this week. I don't know if any of you uh, saw uh, w- about Jesse Winker this week. Uh, he plays for the Seattle Mariners now. Uh, and I had a good time cheering for the Mariners uh, in the yeah, playoffs. By the they're way. fun. They're fun to watch. Fun team. Fun team. Well, um, one of their beat writers, uh, and I don't know this I don't know this guy, Ryan Divish, I'm probably not even pronounced that correctly, the Seattle Times, had some comments on a podcast. First of all, no one should ever go on a podcast. That's the... <laughs> That's the first rule. Um, and he just basically said that the uh, he questioned Jesse Winker's work ethic and his future with the team. And he said something like, let's see, I've got here. Um, Winker has a, it's a tired act that he's not preparing for a game like, uh, like the, the, the Mariners want him to. And I don't know. It sounded like he kind of went off. I didn't listen to the podcast. I just read the, the, the reports the next day within 24 hours, I think, um, uh, Scott Service, the uh, C- Seattle uh, Mariners manager, said, "Ah, oh, come on, that's that's blown out of proportion. He's been he was injured. He's had a, already had surgery. He's going to have a procedure done in his neck. Um, Winker's going to be fine. So it's probably a non-traversy. But there for a little bit, uh, there were people really kind of uh, slamming Jesse Winker. And, and my first thought was, and this is what I said to several people: uh, Okay, send him back. Well, I'll, I'll take him back. I like Jesse Winker. But uh, any thoughts about that?" Um- it has become my experience that if you talk to enough people within an organization, you can find just about every opinion about every player. Um, so, you know, the story that I read on that was something along the lines of a scout said that, or somebody, or somebody right. within the organization said, um, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, I always take all of that stuff with a grain of salt because you can, you know, I, you can talk to two different people and they'll give you two different varying opinions uh, on opposite ends of the spectrum about a person, uh, both on their team and, you know, against, you know, another team or another opponent. So, um, you know, it might be true. It may be, you know, maybe he pouted some or was frustrated because he was having a bad year. I mean, it's only natural that that would happen to somebody sure. if they're having a tough year. Um, and maybe that comes off, you know, you know, 
a certain way for a certain person, but I don't know. I, I don't, I don't think it's probably that big of a deal. Wouldn't surprise me if they tried to trade them, but that's mostly because they kind of have a pretty full outfield. Um, and, uh, uh, so they, I don't know. We'll see. You're trading, you're trading low if you trade him uh, now, right. but you're, but you're right. Yeah, no, I think it's a non-troversy. Um, yeah. I, but people wanted to talk about it this week, so I thought we'd mention it. There's a couple things that I did want to actually uh, ask you about. We're not going to talk any inside baseball and what's going on in the booth and all that nonsense because uh, um, it's just not interesting to anyone, But um, except for, I don't know. But two things. Number one, you uh, go to Great American Ballpark often. That's cor- is, is this a correct right. statement? Okay. Is Have you seen anywhere at Great American Ballpark where there is a picture of my face with like one of those circles and a slash <laughs> through it. I just want to make sure. Well, am I uh, persona non grata? I just want to know that. My guess is that you, you have publicly stated that you won't be going. Um, and so they know not to worry about it. Okay. So <laughs> I don't have to worry about that. All right. Good. Good. Um, I'm not going to ask that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to ask that. The other thing. <laughs> there, there was one day up on the scoreboard. It was hashtag sell the pod. Chad. yes right exactly oh that's funny um the thing i did want to ask about and this is not really inside baseball but i just it's something that i i think the tweet that you mentioned earlier was what i was referencing was a day that joey Votto was in the booth and Mm -hmm. that guy is just a natural and um it was delightful every time he came in the booth and uh, do you have any thoughts just on him coming in there and uh and and kind of blowing everybody away um, yeah, I mean, I was really surprised at how comfortable he was, yeah. uh, sitting in the booth. Um, and it was, it's an interesting, it's interesting. The thing that I want to point out is that when he was doing play by play and God, like, I'm amazed that he was so willing to try to do play by play, appreciate the difference you, you hear between people who do play by play for a living. And this yes. is no knock on Joey Votto because but it's hard. You know, it's really hard. And he like progressively got a little bit better. And I think, I honestly think that if he really wanted to commit himself to it, he would become a very good play-by-play guy. Um, It's just, you know, it's not something that you just, oh, I'm going to sit in the chair and I'm going to talk about the game. It does not happen that easily. The the people that get there and do this are very uh, skilled at what they do. Um, I think it really livened up what, what, uh, could have been a uh, funeral procession of a last month of the season. Um, you know, there was, they, they just did not play very well and having somebody different in the booth um, that could give you a different perspective. And I really enjoyed the conversations between him and Barry. Um, you know, anytime you get a chance to hear two hall of famers, just talk baseball, Amazing. you just shut up and listen, you know, if you're smart. Um so, yeah, I mean, it's, I thought it was great. I really enjoyed, I mean, you know, I didn't have a lot of personal conversations with him. Uh, very few personal interactions. Um, he seems a little guarded and, and there's no reason why he should ever trust me. You know, he, he hasn't had enough interaction with me to be able to trust me to kind of open up at all. Um, so I didn't like, I didn't take offense to it or anything. Um you know, but he, he, you know, was uh, particularly the last, uh, the last time he was on the, the day you tweeted, that was, um, he was funny. He was really yeah. funny that day and, uh, it made a lot of jokes and, you know, ribbed me a little bit. Cause I think I gave him some wrong information, but it was on the spur of the moment to be fair, to defend myself. <laughs> um, I did not plan on having to give him that information and it was kind of in the middle of the conversation and, he looked at me and I tried to give him the right answer. Turned out it was the wrong answer and he kind of buried me on air, but uh, you know, that was fun. Yeah. But what you just mentioned is well, two things. First of all, yeah. The interaction between him and Barry was, they're, they're talking about you know hitting and how do you approach? I mean, it's just, I'm like, right. Whoa, when do you get to hear anything like this from two of the best hitters literally in the history of the baseball. Right. And, um, but just the thing that amazed me was uh, his comfort because lots of former players go into lots of booths and are not as good as he was. And uh, he just, again, I I don't know if he wants to be the next uh, Tim McCarver or John Smoltz or whatever, but there's no question in my mind that if he wanted to do that, he would 
he would be the guy. Um, and, and I'm like, I think he could do play by play if he wanted to as well, but, right. uh, but just as a color commentator, I mean, he's just, uh, amazing. And I, some of that's cause I'm just, you know, uh, desperately in love with it, with Joseph Daniel Votto, but for many reasons, but I, it just blew me away. Right. And it's, you know, the, the thing that I've, that I've grown to appreciate is the amount of insight that, um, the great players have and how they can really break things down because they've thought about this stuff in great detail, a lot more. Like, I feel like I've thought about baseball a lot in my life, but I can't, it's not possible for me to think of it from the perspective that they think of it from, you know, just because I haven't been on the field and I haven't been in those situations and to have somebody who's like live in today's game, you know, I mean, Barry off air has talked about before, like, yeah, I can talk about the game, but things have changed enough to where I can't talk about every detail. I can kind of describe them, but I wasn't there. And then having Joey in the booth, who's, you know, either seen this picture recently or just knows kind of like the strategy that players are going through right now um, is really, it's just very much a different and, and intriguing perspective for me. Yeah, no, and and I'll uh, you know my interaction. Uh, I've only had one interaction with him when I interviewed him for a piece that I wrote for Cincinnati Magazine earlier this year. And same thing, very guarded. But I don't know. You can just—he's more thoughtful than any other player I've spoken to, and just—and it, it comes across when he's in when he's in the booth. It's just that man. This guy really thinks hard about what he's doing, and right. which we think you're right. We think we think about baseball a lot and write about baseball and talk about baseball a lot, but it's different when you're the guy that has to step in that batter's box and really has to try to maximize uh, your ability to play this game. Right. It's just a whole different level. And, and he was able to convey that in the booth, right. which is amazing. Yeah. Saber metrics is a very good theory, but when you have to put it into practice, you have to, you know, the theory <laughs> goes out the window. You got to have your own, you got to have your own strategy. Absolutely. All right. Other uh, quickly, let's run through some of the other news, quote unquote, news this week. The Reds uh, lost three catchers on waivers. Um, okay. Can you name? Can you name the three catchers? I'm not going to ask. What you did they have? That, seven but... catchers this year. Like they still got a bunch left, right? I guess <laughs> they have. They have a one good one. Yeah. Uh, who, who hopefully is recovering well. Um, uh, for Cincinnati. Now this we talk about reasons for hope. Four Cincinnati Reds pitchers make Major League Baseball's all-rookie team. Now, that's a good thing. Yes. That's a, that's op, uh, a reason for optimism, right? Yes. I think I think Alexis Diaz gets a couple votes on the rookie of the year ballot. Maybe Nick Lodolo, but I'm guessing not. I think Alexis Diaz gets a little more credit for being there all year. Sure, sure, absolutely. Uh, Lodolo and Alexis Diaz were named to the first team. And of course, uh, Hunter Green and Graham Ashcraft into the second team all rookie. I didn't even know they had two all rookie teams, a first no, team and a know. second team. Might as well have six. Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? Yeah, really. But anyway, that's again, it, that's this is a kind of a constant theme here, which is what are our reasons for tuning in <laughs> going forward? And right, th- those are four reasons right there. Alexis Diaz is that guy's, uh, uh, he's better than his brother, clearly, right? Uh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say what I will say is that I, I suspect that he will get will will at the very least maintain, if not get a little better next year. So a lot of times, you know, rookies, um, I, you know, wouldn't be surprised if any of the starters take a step back or or maintain. I wouldn't be surprised if Alexis Diaz gets a little better next year, just simply because um, he's got a year under his belt and, uh, you know, he seems to have a good relationship with his brother that I think will help him grow. Right. And, and, you know, sometimes with the relievers, you worry, well, it's a fluke, you know, there are a few right. innings. It's, I don't think that's the case with Diaz. I mean, whether he get his, uh, as good as his brother or not, he had real talent. This is a guy right. that can be a centerpiece of that bullpen. And I'm excited to watch him. He's uh, yep. he's fun to watch. Um, Especially with TJ Antone coming back next year. Yeah. I mean, if TJ Antone can be a, uh, you know, some, some, semblance of his healthy. former self. If he can be healthy. Just healthy. <laughs> yeah. Well, Lucas Sims too, should, you yeah. know, uh, hopefully. Yeah. So again, we're looking for reasons to hope. Um, yep. The gold glove finalists were announced and uh, no reds. This is not surprising, but no reds were named as a finalist uh, for the gold glove award. There was only one player. Uh, we talked a little bit off air about who this uh, one player is that maybe deserved a little bit of consideration, but uh, 
Uh, I, I don't think he played quite uh, enough. He only played 80 games, but uh, Aristides Aquino had a right. had an argument, right? I mean, he was legitimately great on defense. Yeah, yeah, and I think that if he had played a full season, he probably is in consideration. Um, but you know, this is the the process isn't the same as it was when who uh, um, was Rafael Palmeiro won for playing 28 right. games at first base. You know, but that's all right. He had a good he had a good defensive season. Well, he, I mean, he's a better defender than Juan Soto, who did, who was named a finalist. But again, you can't play 150 games if you're hitting 197, and that was right. uh, Aquino's problem wasn't the defense. Right. All right. Um, we don't talk much about prospects here because who knows if they're going to be any good. But it was interesting that Noel V. Marte, who came over in the uh, Seattle trade, he's the number two prospect behind Eli De La Cruz. Uh, they've uh, announced that he's uh, shifting to third base. And uh, he's playing third base in the uh, Arizona Fall League. Of course, the Reds acquired a thousand shortstops, and so I don't know that there's any kind of uh, analysis we need to make here. But uh, it's interesting that uh, they're going and moving him because he's not that far from the big leagues. Yeah, I think um, I think he when he got traded when he was acquired, I think there was a lot of talk that he was going to end up at third base um, simply because uh, the guys that were in front of him probably were more likely to stick at shortstop. And in order to get him up here quicker, it'd be, you know, third base seemed like a reasonable position for him. And, and I would say that, again, looking for reasons for optimism and uh, and hope, given what happened at the trade deadline, the fact they're going to make that decision, let's do that. Let's, you know, they're, they're being proactive. That's a good thing. Um, yeah. Let's let's get him playing out there. And, and, uh, I mean, all, a lot of all but one of those guys are going to end up at a different position. You know, if they end up right. if they all end up in the if big they all league, make it. Yeah, if they all make it to the big leagues, all but one of them is going to end up at a different position. So it shouldn't be a surprise. Uh, last thing before we get into some some viewer mail questions, uh, I wrote last week about, um, and you wouldn't know this because I'm I'm sure you don't subscribe to my uh, dumb newsletter, but I, I do. I, I, too. Get out of here! You do not. I'm gonna check. I'm gonna check to see if that's true. Okay, you can <laughs> check. I'm I'm on there. I'm on the list. I'm I was on the list on like the first day. So oh man. Joel, I feel so bad about not inviting you back in five years. Uh, but I wrote about the best Reds team of my lifetime. That was the the premise of the uh, the piece. What do you think? Who's the best Reds team of your lifetime? I'm in 1990. You know, I know there there's some feeling that 1990 overplayed um, and and probably weren't as good as a World Series champion. But um, I you know I know I know you said 95. Uh, which I like 95, but you know, to me, um, I want people to buy my book about the 1990 team. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. no, um, no, I, I, I want people to buy my next book, which is about uh, Reggie Sanders, 500 oh. pages about Reggie Sanders. So, <laughs> that's why I said 95. Uh, no, I, I think it's, um, they're both very good teams. Um, I, I feel like the pitching on the 90 team overall was, was just so good. The pitching and defense and that maybe, you know, overshadowed gets overshadowed a little bit simply because it's not as typically as glamorous um, as the offensive numbers that the 95 team put up. Um, but, you know, they're both very good teams. They were both very fun. Are you suggesting that Jose Rijo was better than Pete Shurek? I mean, that's, that's a kind of a hot take. Just a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Rio underrated in in Reds history, frankly. Um, yeah, inner circle, inner circle. Um, when you're talking about the best pitcher in Reds history, uh, yeah, I mean he's Rio he's he's very easily in the top three or four all time okay. in Reds pitchers. Right. It's uh, and we're talking about uh, you know Bucky Walters. We're talking about Rio. We're talking about Lisa Alberto Bonilla. I think yes. those are probably those are the three. That's the three that I thought of. <laughs> exactly. Uh, what about the Clinchmas team, the 2010 team? That's not the best Reds team. But is that among the the most fun Reds team? And well, was that the you first know, time we I mean, met? Was, that, was that the first time we met that day, the Clinchmas? Uh, was that the first time we met? I don't remember, but I remember uh, giving you a high five when Jay Bruce hit that home run. Yeah, I'd so. just come back from the bathroom. Yes, I washed my hands. Um, <laughs> um, no, I um, they were fun, but you know they got no hit in the postseason, so it's. <laughs> No, they're not the best Reds team, but when we're talking about most fun, I, I like twelve. I actually like the twelve season better than the ten season. Um, I thought the twelve team was great, uh, and barring a Joey Votto injury and a Johnny Cueto injury, that team I think really does some damage in the postseason. But Joey didn't have any power when he came back, 
And then obviously Cueto only pitched one inning in the, or not even one inning in the postseason. Right. So. Yeah. And I made the case in my piece that 2012 really has a good argument for being the best Reds team. I mean, I, th- and, I think and, they were legitimately the best team in the league that year in the national league. And Sam LeCure was ready in the bullpen. <laughs> Sammy LeCure. And he still Whoa. let Latos pitch to Posey. Sam LeCure, who has, who's the all-time leader in uh, runners stranded when he enters the game with the bases loaded, did not come into true? the game. That is true. I trust you. You know who's number two? You know who's number two? And this isn't just as a red. This is all-time. Number two is Jeff Brantley. Really? And they're both. Well, I believe that way more than I believe Sam LeCure. Sam LeCure, it, it, it's something like he came in. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, so I might mess it up, but he came in um, with the bases loaded 18 times in his career. And I think he allowed like two or one runner to score in any of those situations, in any of those in the games. I remember that discussion when he was here, but I didn't realize it was that good. Yeah, it was really good. So. Wow. I've talked it over with both of them, like in the same room before. It's kind of, kind of funny. Wow. <laughs> was uh, uh, Matt Latos wasn't on that list? No, Matt, Matt. Well, Matt Latos wasn't a reliever, so no. Matt Latos. <sighs> but Sam anyway. was ready. He was ready <laughs> in the bullpen, Dusty. Go back and put him in. You mentioned earlier, and I started to mention at that time, uh, kind of a reappraisal of Jim Bowden maybe a little bit because at least <laughs> they were uh, relevant. And I have had a serious reappraisal of of Dusty Baker in the yeah. years since he left. I, I was not upset when he uh, was uh, let go. And I think I'm, I, I was wrong. I was wrong. I mean, I, I know his voodoo doesn't work in the playoffs maybe, but uh, but that guy, there's something to what he does. In terms of I, the team ready to play 162 games. The, the reason I was not upset when he left was because I felt like he lost the team that last month of the 13 season. He did. And, it was a disaster. Yeah. And um and that and the in the in the LCS or the LDS in 2012, I felt like he never had any sense of urgency. He always played like there was a tomorrow. And the that Giants played. Him, yeah. The Giants played like there were like they had everything to lose every game, and I think that was the difference. Um, yeah, he 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 played every game, even in the playoffs, like it was a game in, in you know mid July, which right. for 162 games, right, it, it works. I mean, he's he's shown, but I, I feel but like I would take that now. <laughs> I feel like he's learned something though, and I think he's been a little different in Houston. I mean, obviously they went to the world series last year. Um, I, I, but I, I, you know, I feel like he is not one to just sit around and let stuff happen now. Um, yeah. Which, well, you know, he, he, you know, Sam LeCure was ready in the bullpen. <laughs> Sam LeCure was ready. I got a little bit, uh, I got a little bit of pushback last week when I said, I know everybody hates the Astros, but man, I would, I would love to see Dusty yeah. get that ring. Well, I mean, I'd love I'd love the Astros over the Yankees right now. And I actually don't okay. care who wins the National League. I kind of like both of those teams. They're fun. Yeah, I don't I don't have any problem either of those teams. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to hold uh, Nick Cowley. Castellanos or Brandon Drury, one or the other. We win, right? Two Reds <laughs> legends. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you're not you're not turning for the Yankees. Come on. I'm so tired of the Yankees. I, I thought you loved judges. I don't understand what's going on here. <laughs> I, Aaron Judge is fine. I just <laughs> I, I don't know. I kind of got turned off on the um, when Bob Costas was calling the Guardians Yankees series, and he kept like acting like the Guardians should just be happy to be there. And uh, you know, Probably as a Yankees. fan of a team, as a fan of the team uh, of a team that would be happy to be there, <laughs> um, right. it's still kind of annoying. Like you know, they had the uh, in the last game. Um, uh, they had a quote from Terry Francona where he was like, yeah, when we lose, we bleed. And I was like, yes, that's true. That's true of any fan base. Um, so like why treat fans like they should just be happy to be somewhere. They want to keep winning. Yeah, absolutely. But by, by the way, Sam LeCure was ready in the bullpen. Sam LeCure was ready in the bullpen. That ball flew right over my head. Oh, I looked like I went like that and it went right over my head. Oh. 
Good times. I was sitting in the outfield, by the way. It wasn't a foul ball. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately. I was watching that one. I was the game before. I was watching that one on on the television. Let's answer some viewer mail questions. Sounds good. These questions, of course, uh, these are actual questions from actual viewers. They come from our uh, friends at patreon.com slash riverfrontsensi. That's patreon.com slash riverfrontsensi, where you do can support this ridiculous show. Uh, The first question comes from Joe Farsing. Joe says, hey, have you guys watched the Riverfront Bengals show? It's a lot better and, frankly, much more dangerous than this show. How dare you, Joe? How dare you? Yes, I have listened to it. Are the Bengals a, a sports team? The Bengals play the, the, the foosball, and the foosball. they're actually relevant. Is that the one with the, the little white and black ball that you kick around oh, on the yes. field? Yeah. That's, 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 no, 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 no. Wait a minute. Actually, I think that's actually an FC Cincinnati, and they're good as well. Uh, we're talking about relevant sports teams. I know. I know. I, it's not, I'm not mocking the Bengals because clearly they're they're better. But um, and I've I've actually like started watching the game. I stopped watching football like maybe 2016. Um, yeah. And uh, you know they got the Bengals got me interested again. Uh, I, I'm not. I wouldn't say that I'm a fan. I would never pretend to be a fan uh, when there are people that were much more loyal than me that that deserve that title. Um, but you know they're more interesting. So oh, I, watch no, a, I, said, I watch a little bit of football now. I didn't used to. Yeah, no, I didn't either. I was I was before you. I gave up on it years ago, and uh, they they draw me back in a little yeah. bit. And uh, you know, and I'm the same way. When the Reds are good again, you and I are gonna be able to say we were there yeah. through all the but bad I, times. I mean, I won't I won't kick anybody off the bandwagon because I'm not you know I don't I'm not gatekeeping. But I respect those people that stayed around uh, too much to to be like they're my team. You know, right. they're not. Yeah. You know, I I enjoy watching them. I wish them well. I wish all the teams in Cincinnati well. I don't watch FC Cincinnati, but man, it'd be fun for the city if they could keep advancing. Right. They're or, or are they already knocked out? I don't know. Are no, they playing, they're playing tonight? tonight as we're uh, recording this? And when you listen, you they may have. No, they will have beaten Philadelphia. That's what I'm okay. predicting. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, I I hope I hope they do well. And um, you know, same with UC Xavier and all the schools in town and stuff. It's great. I think it's great for the city when teams are, teams are competitive and teams do well. Which, you know, if you have – have you watched Welcome to Wrexham? Not yet. I'm looking forward to it. Okay. Uh, the thing – you know, I don't watch the, the foosball. I don't watch soccer. <laughs> I love it. I um, love it. Uh, the thing that drew me in was the fandom. Like, I was like – man, I, I see myself there. I see people I know there. Uh, um, it was, it was enchanting in that sense. And I'll have to admit, I've watched a couple Wrexham matches since then. <laughs> Listen, we're not going to get off on a, on a, on a soccer tangent here, but uh, about the time that I gave up on the NFL, I decided to pick a, a premier league soccer team. So I'm just gonna go one year. I'm going to watch this team's game and see what the whole world is insane about. Right, and I and I'm obsessed with it now. I, I watch yeah. every game. Um, I get up and, and go to the pub on uh, you know Saturday mornings to go watch games. Be- and that's you out, uh, said exactly why the intensity of the passion around right. that sport is unlike anything we see in American sports. Uh, maybe college football or college basketball, perhaps, but there's no professional sport in in America that has that kind of passion. And I I have that on my list, you know, to watch the Wrexham uh, AFC. Which is the the team that's owned by uh, by Ryan Reynolds and uh, the guy from It's Always Sunny, um, whose name I can't remember. But Rob McElhaney. Thank you, thank you. Which is a great show. I've watched every episode of that show. But um, that's it, man. P- people live and die with that, and I cannot wait to actually get to a Premier League game. But I'm excited to hear that you, a non foosball <laughs> fan, are enjoying it. Yeah, yeah. The show is fun. The show was. I mean, it was really interesting. So. Sorry, I got I took us off on a tangent there. That's all right. I, I mean, I'm going to have to watch episode one tonight. Although I, I was actually watching a movie before uh, we started recording, and I'm going to go back to it and I'm going to mention it because it's baseball related. Have you seen on uh, on the Netflix they have this uh, documentary, the Nolan Ryan documentary? No, I've heard people talk about it, but I have not seen it. I watched exactly half of it. The first half is very very good. I yeah. would recommend it. Is that the one where they where they? claim that he threw a pitch 108 miles an hour 108.1 miles an hour i think is what they said yes yeah. I've, science I, they told me well <laughs> i i've seen i've seen people who have refuted that 
Yeah. No, I rolled my eyes, but it's still a, an entertainment. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, you know, Ryan, Nolan Ryan was a great pitcher. I'm not trying to take anything away from him. I just, you know, frames per second are what they are. <laughs> you are a, a numbers guy uh, by uh-huh. profession. So I'm going to ask you a question that they ask a bunch of, uh, of former major league, major league hall of famers. Mm-hmm. How many Cy Young awards did Nolan Ryan win? Zero. Well, you know more than George Brett and Dave Winfield and Rod Carew and Pete Rose, uh, because they were all guess- and Randy Johnson. They were all guessing Roger Clemens. They all guessed like four or five. Zero. Yeah, he didn't. I mean, his best years ERA wise, he still didn't have a lot of wins. And back then, wins mattered. It did. Um, it did. You know, for winning the award, um, he walked a lot of guys. You know, for all the all the praise he gets. He walked a lot of guys, and I think that hurt him. Um, he, uh, uh, I, I mean, he was a I, he was a great pitcher in his era because he was so <laughs> different than everybody. Yeah. But the thing is, is if he pitched in today's era, I mean, there everybody does that. Everybody does what he did, and you know, they all they all throw ninety eight with crazy off speed stuff. Not everybody, obviously, but you know what I mean. Right, um, right. You know, I always laugh. You know, the thing that I always that I get during the playoffs is some guy comes in that I've never heard of, has a one point two ERA, and is uh, and throws ninety eight with a with a slider that kills you. You know, and it's like I, how how have I not heard of this guy? Oh yeah, because everybody, well, not every team, um, but a lot of teams have <laughs> had these guys now. Yeah. No, I think that throughout the season we're playing. You know, the I don't know the whatever random team, the Tampa Bay Rays on a, a Thursday night. And they got some guy that I've literally never heard of that is, right. looks like the best pitcher I've ever seen in my life. Right. And it happens like twice a week. It's it amazes me that anybody hits a baseball anymore. Right. Right. Well, it amazed me when I was 11 because I couldn't hit a baseball even then. Right. So the fact that anybody can hit against these guys. All right. Next question is from our, our buddy, Jerry Seduth. Jerry asked this. This is a small, silly question, he says, but it's the off season. So why not? The Reds acknowledge all of their National League champions and world champions on the dugout rooftops, but do not acknowledge the club's first Major League pennant winner, the 1882 American Association team. Can we request acknowledgement for this team on any and all future billboards produced by the Riverfront? First of all, I don't know how many more billboards there are going to be. We had fun with one um, that I won't ask Joel to comment on, but um, it was fun. But uh, the 1882 American Association champs. That was the first year of the Cincinnati Red Stockings. First year in the American Association. They won 80 games, lost 55. Finished in first place. Um, what, what do you think, Joel? Why, I think why they should. The I, I also them? think they should. I think they should change all of their Estid in 1869 stuff they put on shirts and make it Estid in 1882. I got into a, a big argument at the end of the season with somebody who was like, no, I've got a hat that says they were formed in 1869. And I said, the hat is lying to you. <laughs> the hat is lying to you. Um, no, I, yeah, I don't, I had never thought of, I mean, it's a great question from Jerry. I had never thought about that before. Why, Why don't they acknowledge the 1880, especially because it was like 1882. And then you had to go wait until 1919 before they did it again. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, at least they I, get another banner. That was the that was the famous Bid McPhee, uh, Will White, Reds. Yeah. Uh, Hit Carpenter as well. Hit Carpenter was on that team. We all like Hit Carpenter. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wasn't Buttercup Dickerson on that team too? Oh. Ooh, <laughs> perhaps yes. Oh. I'm going to ask you a trivia time here. Um, all right. How many how many pitchers did that team again? They were 80 and 55, or excuse me, 55 and 25. They played, I guess that's 80, 80 games. Yeah, thank you. I, I completely missed that. So 55 and 25, but 80 games. How many pitchers, because this year's Reds team had 4,000 pitchers. Mm-hmm. How many did the uh, first championship? Uh, well, they they played half as many games, so they probably had half as many pitchers, right? Um, okay. Uh, That's a thought. <laughs> I don't think it's accurate. Um, I'm going to guess eight. Okay. That's, a, that's, that's probably where I would have guessed. I was amazed at the actual answer to this, which is, Three, three, <laughs> three pitchers. <laughs> Will White, Will White, We're, who pitched in fifty-four of those games, he went forty and twelve. <laughs> Harry McCormick was fourteen and eleven. And they had one relief pitcher who pitched in four games. 
was three a, one of them only in four it was a different time it was a different time. <laughs> Oh man, that was that's my favorite thing about the 1882 team that I didn't even realize until today. Yeah, uh, about the hat that was lying. I have to tell you that uh, that uh, we we talked earlier about books and the third uh, best uh, Reds book among the, the three that we've discussed. Garber and I were writing this book called The Big Fifty. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Garber, who refused to join us tonight because he's anti Joel. That's fine. And I'm an acquired um, taste. <laughs> We had that conversation. We wrote a chapter on the 1869 Reds, and we knew that it was not historically accurate because right. they that wasn't the within the lineage of this franchise. They they were uh, sort of uh, before the Red Stockings Reds. Reds I, I, I too, did it anyway. I too wrote a chapter in the uh, hundred things Reds fans should know and do about the 1869. Um, I think I was very careful in couching my language though about. Um, about them being a Cincinnati professional team, but not necessarily being tied to the Reds. Now, to be fair, my book was more about what to do with the Reds and stuff. And so (laughs) (laughs) mine wasn't claiming to be just about the Reds. Um, Good point. Now it it is uh, for, for people who aren't up on the subject, just a quick overview. The team left after 1870 split up. Half the team went to Washington to play for the Washington Nationals, who are not the same Washington Nationals, which we all know that, which is a good example as to why this is not the same Cincinnati Reds team. Um, and then the other half went to Boston to form the Boston uh, Red Stockings, who were the precursor to the Boston Braves, who became the Milwaukee Braves, who became the Atlanta Braves. And they, the Braves have a legit um, – uh, claim to having the oldest franchise because 1871. Now, if they try to claim the 1869 team, I think that's baloney. But 1871, that team formed. They've been continuous since then. <sighs> the Reds formed uh, the next professional, fully professional team in Cincinnati was 1876 when the National League formed. The Cincinnati Reds, Red Stockings reformed. Um, so you could say, okay. There was a gap in there. There's a long enough gap in there that I think we can all say not the same team, right? Sure, certainly. And then, and then, 1876 to 1880, lots of weird things happened. They got kicked out of the National League. 1881, I don't think they even fielded a team. 1882, they formed, helped form the American Association, which was known as the Beer and Whiskey League, because, as you know, Cincinnati is a beer and whiskey kind of town. It um, is. Uh, and so. Anyway, that is the, since 1882, there has been a continuous franchise. And that is when the Reds actually acknowledge, they don't acknowledge any numbers before 1882. So why should we acknowledge the 1869 team as part of their franchise? I don't mind them celebrating the 1869 team. They're a Cincinnati thing, but they are not part of the Reds franchise. And the flip side is, why shouldn't they recognize the 1882 team? Yeah, back to the original question. Absolutely. In fact, I am going to go tape a banner down onto the dugout when the next time I'm at the park. <laughs> Here's what occurred to me as uh, as we were talking here is that you and I could probably talk about nonsense like this forever. I'm not sure anyone wants to listen to it. I know. But we I love it. We've already blown past the uh, time limit you told me to stick to. So. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, that's what happens here on the show. So let's get through these last uh, viewer mail questions. Seth Shaner. Seth says, I just finished reading Chad's Ode to the 1995 season. I mentioned my uh, uh, piece about the uh, my favorite uh, or the best Reds team of all time. I followed that up this week uh, at my newsletter, chaddotson.substack.com. If you haven't subscribed, you're dead to me. Anyway, his detailed account of the Mets game that turned the season around brought back memories. I was at that game, and my stepdad, who wasn't much of a baseball guy, made us leave in the eighth inning. We were leaving the parking garage when the fireworks went off from a home run and were up by Kings Island en route to Columbus when the game was won. I never let him hear the end of it, though I did see the Adam Dunn Grand Slam off Bob Wickman uh, erasing a seven-run deficit in person. Have you ever left a game early and regretted it later? I'll answer this one first. The answer is no, because I have a strict policy of never leaving a game early. And this has been since I became an adult. I don't leave games early. So no, I don't have a story. 
I, I don't have one where I regretted it, but it did remind me of, I went to opening day in 1990, which wasn't really opening day, the home opener um, right. versus San Diego. And I went with my brother. We, we sat in the top six because Marge shot Chevrolet was giving away tickets. Oh, and nice. um, we sat up there and it was freezing cold and we wanted to leave. So it was two to nothing. We left, we got back to the car just in time for, Joe, uh, Joe Nuxall call of here's the pitch and, and it's a two to one ball game. Um, it was a uh, Benito Santiago home run, but he never described that. He just said it's a two to one ball game. Joe. Um, the Reds ended up winning, you know, so they nothing changed about the game outside of the score. And uh, <laughs> um, yeah, the, Re- the Reds won on opening day in 1990. And here's how I know this. Someone uh, wrote a book. Uh, yeah. the, they started they nine wire to wire. Yeah, so, so, so they had to have won. They had to win the first one to go wire to wire. Yes. I only know that because I read a book about it. Yeah. All right, two more questions. First comes from Joseph Prince. Joseph says this, the Reds seem to have an amazing problem with signing free agents that make effective contributions. Not There haven't been that many of them. Uh, Dave Parker was a big plus, he says. Jeff Shaw was a wonderful all-star for the Dodgers. And Francisco Cordero, while very good, was an expensive luxury. That said, they seem more likely, more likely to sign a Mustakas, Milton, or Corey Patterson. Unless four or five new kinds of tasty vegetables are invented, that's a little. Uh, I I'm sorry, Joel. Here, here on the show, we 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 dig at the Castellanis a little bit. You may have yep. noticed that. Yeah, the Reds seem both unable and unwilling to sign a top-notch free agent like the aforementioned Aaron Judge, even with forty-four million dollars coming off the books. So here's the question: In the winter of 2023. Uh, okay, now I was I was thinking about answering the winter of twenty two. So as I read this, he's saying twenty three. Will we try to? Sign well, that's this winter. I think he means yeah. this winter. I, that's what I thought. But maybe I mean, winter doesn't think. start until the end of December. So okay, so we're we're thinking about this off season. Okay, that's how we're going to answer this. Will we try to sign a true quality free agent, or will we do more payroll aligning? Do you want to start the laughter, uh, Joel? Uh, they're not going to. They're not going to sign anybody big. Joseph, I wish, but yeah, they're not going to sign anybody big. No, next question. Gonna, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, I'm sorry. It's yeah. again, we talk about hope and we want to have hope, but not this year. Now, next year, if the question was for next year, yeah, maybe they're going to have some money coming off the books after next year. So they have no players, right? <laughs> Literally, no one signed past, uh, past. I mean, they think they've got some buyouts, that's about it that they have to pay, right. Fingers crossed that all the everyone, Noelle Marte and Elliot Cruz become superstars in the big leagues right. by the end of next year. And Hunter Green is a wins the Cy Young next year. And so they decide to go out and get someone good. Yeah. Jordan Salisbury. All right, gentlemen, I was looking at an article the Bleacher Report posted. Don't do that, Jordan, by the way, but that's okay. Um, uh, posted last week. They were projecting when non playoff teams from 2022 will reach the MLB postseason again. That's actually a pretty good. Uh, pretty good uh you know uh, article i didn't read that one but that's a good uh, subject they are projecting 2026 for the reds what are your thoughts my thoughts are this is entirely too optimistic <laughs> am i being too much of a pessimist I, probably jordan but uh, i'm not going to argue with you necessarily what do you think joel 2026 i think 2024 is when they're next competitive i don't know that they'll go to the postseason then but i think that's when they're competitive again that's something that I wrote near the end of the season at uh, again at the at the mothership the magazine, which is that if if they play this right, they legitimately could contend or at least have a team that's uh, uh, some semblance of contending by twenty twenty four. I mean, the, the pieces are, and that comes back to what they did at the trade deadline. They have stocked the stocked the farm system. So, so I'm going to say twenty twenty five. The Reds are going to win the National League Central. That's what I'm saying Ooh. here today. I don't know yeah. if I'll go that far, but cool. <laughs> but cool says Joel Joel uh, <laughs> any final thoughts before we uh, finish this one up this has been fun we'll have to do it again in five years <laughs> I, I, I hope that you will commit to coming back sooner than five years because this has been fun yep. and maybe this offseason I can get you back on we can talk a little bit more about that history that we started to do a deep dive on sure All sounds right. good well thanks to everyone uh, for listening uh, and for supporting 
The Riverfront. Please remember, again, subscribe to the show either on YouTube or in your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're at Riverfront Cincy on all those platforms. And a huge thank you to our supporters at patreon.com slash Riverfront Cincy. This show would not be possible without the support of our Patreon family. So feel free to join us in our hijinks. All right, for Joe Luckup, the uh, the prodigal son, and Lance Nix, <laughs> this is Chad Dustin saying so long, everyone.